Yes, Lord. We got all kinds of things swirling on the Sunday before Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we haven't used this many banners in the church in like 15 years, maybe even 20. I, I, I but I knew this morning it was like swirling in me because I knew that uh, we had a couple of people using banners this morning with flags, you know. So if you haven't seen the flags, it's okay. I just, I feel like the Lord is really highlighting it because again, we very rarely use them. So it's like, God, what are you doing? And uh, I was thinking about it even in pre-service prayer because I knew that children were using banners. I had no idea that Tim was going to get Rochelle up here to, to wave another banner over Joel and Mitzi. And I just really feel like prophetically, you know, Tim has been speaking about these weapons of war, right? Just biblically, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. When, when the banner was raised during these times, the Old Testament times of war, that meant the army could see, remember, they didn't have microphones or anything. They, they could see where to run to right? The banner was raised. The Lord, he raised a standard. If you look at it in the King James version, right? And what does it say in song of Solomon too? He's brought us to his banqueting table, which we've already talked about. And his banner over us is love. And I just feel like God is doing something today. It is, but it's, it's, it's the war kind of love. He's saying, I am raising the standard over you. And you can run to my love. It basically applies to every single thing we've talked about today. Every single act that has happened, every single flag that has been waved, God is saying, I am raising my banner and all you have to do is look to it. My banner over you is love. So when you feel like you're swinging the sickle and we talked about harvest or you've got the sword in your hand, the shield, whatever it is, just run to my banner. So I just want to prophetically just, just let me pray just quickly. God, we just welcome your banner. We just look to you, God. We look to you, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. We look to you. In fact, we do nothing outside of you, nothing outside of your banner. Thank you for your banner of love, God. We run to you. We run to you. In this season, God, in this Christmas season, we run to you for peace. In the midst of chaos on our earth, in the midst of a pandemic, we run to you. We look to you. The Lord, our banner. And I just prophesy that over our people uh, as they leave this place, our families, God, as they go into their homes and they celebrate, God, we release the Lord, our banner. We pray for marked moments, that there would be radical salvations, that there would be radical moments of revelation of who you are, radical moments of love as we step in and war against the enemy, not against people, but against the enemy. And we recognize the presence of love, the presence of God himself, wherever we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Jesus, we honor you right now. We're just in awe of you. We're in awe of you. That You have a word for everyone in this room. You're a redeemer of moments. You're a redeemer of lives. You're a redeemer of sin, God. We just welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, 
I got up here with plenty of time, so I'll call it self-inflicted. No, um, honestly, I want to say this. I probably wouldn't be standing up here without Joel. Because when, when God joined Joel in our heart, we weren't here. We were in San Antonio. And there just began to be something connected back to this place through Joel. And he was working for us, and we were all laying tile together. Funny story, Joel and I put a roll of carpet in his Honda Accord one time. And we, we let's just say we didn't have a good plan, okay? And so we got there, and they had this giant roll of carpet, and and we just rolled down his back windows and fed it through. And I, I somewhere I have a picture, but it's sticking out four, four feet on each side. We drove it to the job site. I have no idea why we were doing that. But get it done, that's right. There's the boss man saying, get it done. So, yeah, I just want to take a few minutes now, and I want to encourage you. I, I love this season. You know, there's that bumper sticker that wise men still seek him, right? And, you know, I kind of tore that part a few years ago, and I was like, actually, wise men find him. But it still doesn't change the fact that he called us to seek him. But he wants to be found. Listen to this. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me. If we stop there, it's no fun. And you will find me. Because seeking without finding, if you've ever played hide and seek, and the person's really good at hiding, it's no fun. Eventually they come out and everybody else is watching a movie, and they're like, ah, you couldn't find me. like, yeah, we quit looking for you a long time ago, right? Because it's no fun. And God's saying, you will seek me, but good news, you're going to find me. And then he, then he drops in the bomb and says, when you seek me with all your heart. So he's saying, hey, half, half, half pursuit rarely finds me in the fullest way. Half pursuit doesn't lead you to the fullness of what I want to give you when I want to bring you in. And I, I think about the season of seeking, and it's a season where literally people whether they know it or not, whether it's about Santa and presents and all that, they're literally celebrating the incarnation of Jesus on earth. They can try to make it about presents. They can make it about Santa all they want. And, and I don't have a problem with any of that. Just so you know, Christmas tree, Santa, none of that. Why? Because all of it eventually points to the star on the tree. All of it eventually points to why are we giving gifts? Because three kings showed up and gave gifts. Why are we doing all these things? I don't care if it's a pay. It was... Created by pagans. I don't care about any of that. Well, I'm just swinging a baton now. I feel it. If you're bothered by all of that, don't be. Because at some point, the root of it is, man, I'm in pursuit of Jesus. And, and people are getting to hear about Jesus because this is when He came. So what caused... I, I, thought, I started thinking about three distinct people this morning. I, I thought about Zachariah and Elizabeth. Why? Because I love them. They're just some of my favorite people in the whole story. And then I thought about the kings. And I thought about the shepherds. And I thought, what made them, what caused them to want to seek and worship? Something more than just God just saying, here's the button, I'm going to press it, you go seek. Something was drawing. Something was causing causing them to come alive on the inside. And what I want to tell you is God is still in the moment 
of stirring you up to come alive on the inside to seek again, to seek afresh. I'm telling you, in 2021, there is such a freshness that God is wanting to do. And it's got nothing to do with the end of 2020. It's about the declaration. God said, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Because listen, December 31st and January 1 aren't any different. But determined by your belief system. What are you believing? God's doing something new. I'm telling you, we're in harvest. There's low-hanging fruit everywhere. And he's saying, hey, will you be a people who catch my season and keep seeking me, and all of a sudden you're going to find all these amazing things I'm doing? But what caused, and and so I'm just going to do them. I'm actually going to quote most of them. But we know the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're the parents of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. And we know the story that Zacharias is in the presence of God and an angel comes, tells him, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the forerunner of the Christ. He doesn't do great on his first pass. So he gets muted by God. Why? Because your words matter. And when they asked him, what's the baby's name? He was ready the second time. Some of you got to be ready the second time God asked you about your promise. Maybe the first time you didn't hit a home run. Maybe you struck out. But God said, I'm going to ask you again. It's so important. Why? Because we think we miss it. If we did that philosophy, most people in the Scriptures don't have a second chance. But if we recognize that God was always saying, one more, one more. He goes to Zechariah and says, what's his name? He says, John the Baptist. But there's a crazy story in between the birth of John and the conception of John. Mary shows up, and she's pregnant with Jesus. And when she walks in the room, John the Baptist of Fetus was the first to recognize the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he leapt in the womb of his mom. But it says this, that she was filled with the Spirit of God. Elizabeth was. And she declares over Mary, Blessed are you among women. You're carrying my Lord. When I read that, I was like, my God. The revelation that happened when she was filled with the Spirit. But I I got to thinking that uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were committed to Judaism. They were committed to the ways of God. They were committed and they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for Him. And they were doing all the rules. And can you imagine being trapped in all those rules and things in the Old Testament? But knowing there's something greater coming. And so what was causing them to still be seekers? I believe this, it's promises. Some of you have promises in God that you need to take hold of and say, I am going to be one who seeks after Him because He has promised me these things. It's, it's not manipulation of God. It's, not, it's just when you have a good dad, He tells you what He's going to do in the future. He tells you what he's working on. He tells you the plan. And he says, now I need you to believe for it. That's your work in the kingdom. Your only work in the kingdom is to believe for it. And and Elizabeth and them, I believe this, there's fulfilled promises that so strikes her. She sees Mary full of God. Literally. Full of God. And she says, you are a fulfilled promise. So the two things I want to just point out here is promises and fulfilled promises. Some of you need to go to your fulfilled promises, fall right in love with them again, and say, God, you're so good. 
Some of you need to put the other promises up and say, God, you have said, and I'm going to seek after you with all of my heart, and I'm going to find you in this area. Listen, there's all kinds of promises in the Scripture. There's promises of the Holy Spirit, the greatest promise ever. The greatest promise ever. There's the promise of eternal life. There's a promise of the crown of life, which I believe is actually to be worn on earth, not just in heaven. There's the promise of inheritance. There's a promise of family. There's a promise of connection with God. There's a promise of no separation between you and God. See, we've got to get into those promises. Why? Because they cause us to seek. They cause us to worship. They cause us to make declarations like, you're carrying my Lord. It causes us to be encouraged. It causes us to raise John the Baptist the way he's supposed to be raised so he can live and do everything to forerun for Jesus. See, guys, we have to understand that the promises of God are part of the, part of the plan. But we'll see how many we do here because I'm going to do all of this one. Listen to what it says about Abraham concerning the promises of God in Romans. In Romans 4.20, it's talking about Abraham. I don't have time to give the backstory. He's old, and God's told him he's going to be a dad, and he doesn't have the ability to do it. He said, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Listen, promises can look so far away that you have to be in pursuit of God, not the promise. I know so many people that are in pursuit of the promise and they forgot that they're supposed to be in pursuit of God and He'll bring you to the promise. I've seen it in healing so many times. People are pursuing healing, but they forgot that they pursued the healer. And God's saying, hey, I need you to just understand, you've got to be fully persuaded that I'm the one who fulfills it, not you. How many people have seen other people, not you, of course, try to fulfill the promises of God in their life? How many of you saw it get messy? Why? Because they're pursuing the promise instead of the God of the promise. And he's saying, I need you to be fully persuaded that I will do it. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I've got this. Pursue me. Pursue me. And then next thing you know, you're like, there's the promise. It's, it's really, it's so important. I want to tell you too that, that hope bursts out of the pursuit of the promise. Let me just read you this one. Hebrews 10, 23. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Your hope level is determined on your desire to seek this, the giver and the promise giver. And I, I, I really find it really interesting that hope and promise are connected. Why? Because the enemy wants to try to tell you God is not a fulfiller of promises. And if he's not a fulfiller of promises, he's not trustworthy. And then it begins to kill our hope. Is that true? And we have to understand, we have to hold on to him. We have to hold on and seek after him. And man, we have to be like Zacharias and Elizabeth. This is, they were, they were well beyond age of childbearing. But there was still something in them, a hope. God, I love it. And one of my favorite passages in all the Christmas stories, she says, she says to God, you have removed my disgrace as you fulfilled this promise. God is wanting to remove disgrace that the enemy has tried to put on us about the promises of God. Let me just read you one more because these are all awesome. 
This is in Hebrews 11.33. It's talking about all the amazing people that went before us in the Hall of Faith. It's like the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it's talking about Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the prophets. It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. How did they do it? By their belief. That their belief that God is a keeper of promises. He will cause us to, to begin to seek after Him as He shows you the promise will be fulfilled. Alright, I'm going to do the other two real quick, okay? Promises. I can do it. The three kings. What were they seeking after? The only thing that would catch a king's attention is a king. The only thing that will cause a king to leave his throne is a superior throne. A superior kingdom. And somewhere in the hearts of the magis, the wise men, or three kings, something birthed in them and they begin to watch some stars align. Interesting, tomorrow night, stars will align. The star of Bethlehem, they call it, hasn't happened in 800 years. But I know when it did happen... I'm not even into all that, but I know when it did happen. And they followed a star. And where did it rest? Over a king. What caused them to seek? Listen, what's going to cause you to be a seeker of God is recognizing He's a king. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's been so on me. And I may have mentioned this in a sermon, but I've been thinking about John a lot on the island of Patmos. And you know, he was considered Jesus' best friend. Ever thought about that? Peter's like, what'd you do? He's like, oh, that's his best friend. You know, like, I mean, he's like, he was, he was the one. He's the one that Jesus entrusted Mary, his mother, to. Said, hey, son, your mother, mother, your son. That's pretty close. So I'm sure there was this moment when he's recognizing Jesus in all these ways. He's on the Isle of Patmos. And Jesus comes walking to him. He doesn't even recognize him. And then he looks into his eyes and he knows it's him. And he says, this is, and, the, and, he, and Jesus declared, I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's written on my thigh. My, wa- my voice is like water. My eyes like fire. What was going on? He was getting a new revelation of Jesus, not just his friend, but as King of kings and Lord of lords. And guys, if we're going to be seekers, I believe this. There is such a revelation of the greatness of God. The greatness of Jesus. Like, we're not just, you know, I mean, I like the phrase, He's my best friend, and I'm, I'm really even, I'm okay with it. Until He's not your King of kings and Lord of lords. Until you're not willing to consecrate yourself and like, oh man, He's holy, and He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, I'm willing to lay my life down for that. Because sometimes... We get so comfortable with, oh, he's my best friend. I can just talk to him however I want, good or bad, coarse or ugly. I can even joke and curse around, and Jesus is cool with it because he's my best friend. But when he's your king of kings and lord of lords, I don't think we would be that way. I think we'd get down on our knees and say, whoa, you're king. And here's my gold. Here's my myrrh. Here's my frankincense. Here it is. I give you what I have. Oh, by the way, I've been seeking after you for two years. Here it is. I give you everything. I believe it's so important that we embrace that because there's a place where He will ask you to do things that you'll only do for your King. 
that you wouldn't do for anyone else. You're, you know, I, I mean, I love that scripture that says, I no longer call you servant, I call you friend. But there's a moment where you are servant and he's king. It's multiple revelations of it. He wasn't saying that you're never a servant. He's just saying you're also my friends. And he's saying there's a place. And these kings, they knew it. They were willing to get off their throne. And man, it wasn't like getting in a car or on a plane. It took them two years to get there. And they laid down who they were and said, we're here to see the king of kings. I love it when they come to Herod. Who is the king of the Jews? And we're saying, where is this one born king of the Jews? Everything evil and cared stirred up. Why? Because he was like, I'm the king of the Jews. And they're like, you're not the king of the Jews. We're here to see the king of the Jews. Guys, we have to recognize him as king. It will cause us to seek after something so much greater than even what you can see right now, this realm. He's king over eternity. He's king over time. If, if nothing else blows your mind, he's king over time. He knows everything that's ever going to happen has happened. And it's all happening at the same time in his realm. Everyone's like, what? Yeah, I know, right? And he's saying, I'm king over this. I'm king. I've got this. He is not stressed about 2020. No, really. I read, I read spiritual leaders post sometimes. I'm like, man, where's Jesus in this equation? And I'm just going to quote again. When the Son of Man returns to earth, Will he find faith? Will he find a people who are believing that he's King of kings and Lord of lords? Last one. I'm on fire. That should have taken 20 minutes. What was causing them to seek and worship? I think glimpses of heaven. And I think about the shepherds. Just out there doing what shepherds do. I'm not going to pretend I hear people get up and act like they know what a shepherd does. No, you don't. They're just watching sheep. It's probably terribly boring. And they're out there, and heaven shows up. Heaven shows up. And I, and it just began to dawn on me, God is wanting to break into our dullest moments and give us glimpses of heaven. For some of you, that, that sounds so foreign right now. Like, I don't know what that means. Let me, I just wrote a quick list. Direction. The Word of the Lord, angels, the eternal realm, singing, worship, magnification, heavenly host. That's what God is wanting to invade our everyday with. He's wanting to invade our everyday. We read that and that's, like, that's the birth of Jesus. Jesus is birthed on the inside of you. He's caused you to be rebirthed. And He's saying, You're, I'm in you. And I want to invade your everyday life with that list. Direction, the Word of the Lord, the eternal realm, angels, glorification, worship, heavenly host. I, I'm, I, I was just, that took me two minutes to write. That's just in the one story. What am I saying? God is wanting to invade us. And it's interesting, He, he invades them with the idea that the natural realm that you've been living in is over. There's a new king, and they do it with worship. They do it, glory to God on the highest. Glory to God on highest. And I love it, the declaration of glory. I'm just going to say this. I believe that there's a gross misunderstanding of glory right now in the church overall. What do I mean by that? Most people are just wanting 
the glory so they can feel good in it. There is a piece of glory. The kabod, that is that. But if I read about the glory in the, in the Old Testament, I also recognize there, there's a glory of giving. Giving it away. There's a glory of, there's two kinds of glory. His glory and our glory that we get to give away back to Him. How can we give all glory and honor and praise unless He's put glory on the inside of you to give away? I also am blown away with Isaiah. It says that, you know, it's talking about the pillar of fire and the cloud by day. And it says, and it is the glory that covers you. And it will keep you from the sun of the day, from harm. It will keep you from storms and from wind and from rain. There's a glory that God is wanting to put on us that that the things in the world that are happening don't even affect us. Now, am I saying be stupid? No. Am I saying get in the glory? Yes. I'm saying understand the glory of God. Put it on. Let it clothe you. It will cause you to seek after Him with everything in you. Listen, the angels... They were blowing the shepherds' minds. The shepherds weren't like, well, it's a good day out here. They were changed forever. They were transformed by that moment. Last verse, Luke 2. I just, I want to say, I just want to remind you of this kingdom that we're part of. Because I I don't want to manipulate you with the kingdom. Like, you got to do it or else. I actually believe the message was, I've done it. So get with me. And listen to what he said. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you, what's he bring them? Good news or good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. I just want to remind you this about the kingdom. It's good news. That this Jesus that we're in pursuit of is good news. If Jesus is not good in news in your life, you're serving the wrong Jesus. If you're not excited about Him and love with Him, I'm telling you, the enemy has blinded you to who this Jesus is. He's good news. If you're living a life and like, oh, the church has beat me up and it's no fun and I'm just trying to get to heaven, Jesus is like, I, that is not the good news I died for. I'm good news. I'm great joy. I'm great joy. God is looking for us to walk in such a supernatural joy. Why? Because He wants us to be strong. Because it's a third of the kingdom. I've got all these things that I could tell you, but I'm telling you, the message they heard that night was not like, this is going to be hard, stick with it. It wasn't like, hey, I'm calling you to do the hardest thing on planet earth. Find the willpower. That's so much of the preaching going on right now. And I want to tell you that the message of heaven, that moment, inspired them to go and seek and worship Jesus. And it was, hey, I come with great joy. Joy is contagious. Joy is what the world is looking for. True joy. Oh, and by the way, the last thing, it was for everyone. Imagine being a shepherd in a caste system, basically. The lowest of the low, unlearned, probably not even allowed to go in the Sanhedrin or the synagogue. Why? Because they didn't study well enough. Everything was based on rules. And, and all they had heard, all then they've all ever seen about God and Jehovah and Messiah as religious activity. And none of you have to imagine too hard. There's a lot of that still in this day. But all of a sudden, a glimpse of heaven comes. And it's good news. It's great joy. And they're allowed to be in it. It's for them. It can't be for all men if it's not for them. And when they hear it, they're like, wait a minute. 
We are participants in this. So let's go see Him. Let's go be with Him. Let's go celebrate Him. Let's go worship Him. Guys, we have to understand that it's for everyone. The enemy has no new lies. I've learned that about the devil. No new lies. Basically, the first one is, hath God said? And the second one is, hath God said? So if he's told you, hey, if God has told you, I've got a plan for you, I'm in love with you, we're going to go with you, you're going to come with me, we're going to change the world, the enemy's going to be like, no, you don't deserve it. And all of a sudden you begin to wonder, oh, maybe it's just for a special few. Can I just say this? That that mentality has got the church nowhere. The church having a few superstars that actually the only reason they're superstars is because they believe the message or they're charismatic. God is looking in it for a generation, this generation. When they put me in the ground, I hope they say He taught us all we can all do it. It's for all men to do. All of you can have someone's eyes locked on you in a parking lot, in a gas station, as you say, here's this Jesus I know. Do you want to know Him too? All of you can lay hands on the sick and recover. All of you can show up on the scene and raise the dead if need it be. All of you. All of you. Because the message was a glimpse of heaven is, hey, we've had this segregated a few people. Only one gets to come into the presence of God. Now it's for all men. Say, so how do you get all that at Christmas? Because it's packed with good stuff. And if we understand what was really going on, we'll sing them carols with everything in us. And I used to be like, oh God, carols. And then you listen to the words. Everybody making memes out of them now and acting all smart. And God's like, ah, oh, yeah, I wrote those a long time ago. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you walk out of in here with anything this morning, anything, and God's done all kinds of stuff in here today, I want you to walk out knowing the God, the Jesus I serve is good news. I'm walking out of here with great joy. And this message I carry is for all people, including me. When the enemy's lying about me. So let's just raise our hands just in worship. Let's be seekers for a minute. Wise men still seek him. Wiser men find him, right? So here we are, Jesus, our king, our king. So here's our lives. We say 2021, a year of consecration to our king. We say we seek you. We're going to find you. We're going to find all kinds of new things about you. We're going to see you in your holiness, and we're going to see you in your complete joy all at the same time. God, we just say we set our heart to seek you now. Can you just set your heart? If that's in your heart to do, just say, man, I'm going to, in this, not just this week, I'm talking about the rest of your life, so it's a big commitment. I'm talking about the rest of your life. Will you be a seeker? Forever finding Him. Forever celebrating Him. That's in your heart. Just commit to Him right now. You can do it out loud. Your inner dialogue. But make sure you do it with Holy Spirit. Because He's the only one that can help you do it. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We're going to have some teams up front. If any of you just need prayer, 
You say, man, I just need, I feel like I need someone to stand with me. We have teams up front ready to pray for people. Altar teams coming up. I just want to say something about this week. There's, there's a lot of opinion going on with what, what should happen this week. And I just want to tell you, do everything in faith. If you don't have faith to do something, don't do it. And if you do have faith, feel free to do it. Is that fair? Scripture says everything we should be doing, we should be doing in faith. But can I ask you, let love be your marker for this season. If you're going to family things, let love, 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 love. It's time for breakthrough in our families. It's time for breakthrough. So I just bless you guys in this week of celebration. We hope that you can join us on Thursday night for Christmas Eve service. It truly is just another time of celebrating King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's just a great time of family. You don't have to be afraid. I promise it's safe. So we bless you guys in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Hill Country, uh, on behalf of Hill Country Church, we want to say Merry Christmas again.